0: Welcome back to the Dabble Co. podcast. I am your host, Claire O'Brien, and I'm a nurse practitioner in lovely Nashville, Tennessee. It feels weird to say that because I lived in Charleston for 20 years and now I live in Nashville. But um, So I am doing a 10 questions episode today, and so all these questions came from... Um, followers on Instagram. I'm also in my car uh, in the preschool parking lot in case you hear like random traffic that was just like a super loud motorcycle. So you're welcome. Um, yeah, so let's get started. So the first one is a uh, classic doozy. Um, and the question is Are hormone disruptors a real thing? I have ovarian cysts that keep forming. So let me just kind of preface this is my answer um, to this, but let me just preface this by saying, um, the word chemical has been totally weaponized and demonized when really chemical is just the interaction between two substances that makes up a chemical. So like air, you know, everything, water, I mean, the food that we eat, everything is, is a chemical. So when you're reading about things and, you know, buying things and making decisions, like if first of all, if you see something that says chemical free, like that's not, then it's doesn't exist. So that's not a thing. Um, you cannot avoid chemical. It is not possible to avoid all chemicals, literally not possible. Um, and so that being said, are hormone disruptors a real thing? Yeah, totally. They they totally are. I think that it's been... That also has been kind of weaponized and, and turned into this very huge for-profit, um, c- clean washing, green washing industry that's telling us that everything we're eating and wearing and touching is bad and, and, you know, is a chemical and we have to avoid all these chemicals and toxins. The word toxin, oh my gosh. But... Um, there are certain substances that particularly with things like plastics, um, that have been found, you know, in the last few years to be more of an issue than we previously realized. And sometimes that, you know, that, that happens a new, like, um, to, gosh, Teflon, a great example. Oh my God. If y'all haven't seen that documentary, um, what is it called? There's a documentary about Teflon and it's so freaking good. Anyway, I digress. But um, but hormone disruptors, yes, they are real. And now my personal philosophy, like I, so I have not had fertility issues. I don't have hormone I- issues that I, I know of, and maybe I do, and I just don't know it. Um, and so I don't overthink it. Um, in in my daily life, um, there are a lot of things that. Have been shown really not to be an issue. You know, like aluminum in, in deodorant has been proven over and over not to be a carcinogen and not to cause all, you know, all these things that people say that it causes. So, like that, that's one example. So, I'm like, I'm not worried about my antiperspirant deodorant, whatever. Um, but then there's just a lot more kind of vague stuff out there that if you want to avoid it and if, if you can't, you know, if you want to buy products that don't have certain ingredients in them, I'm like, cool, that's fine. Um, what I don't think is okay to do is to, to really demonize things that we actually, we really just don't know about a lot of these things. Like there are several things that have already been removed kind of from circulation. Like BPA is a good example of, um, a type of plastic that was a lot more widely available, commercially available before people really realized the impacts that it could be potentially having. Um, And so now, you know, most things are BPA free. Now there's some other things that are not like the, I think like the lining of some cans is not, um, are not BPA free, but but anyway. So I just, I think it's more complicated than, um, you know, are they real? Yes, they're, they're real. It's just what is, what is the level of Harm that they're they're actually causing, and I and I think the most interesting part of that is looking at fertility. I mean, we know there are certain things that can potentially impact fertility. So, gosh, I'd love to have an. I need to have my friend Brittany Henderson on. She's an endocrinologist, and just really go through like each thing. And but then, and as much as I love her, and I would probably say this to her, or I would like, as an endocrinologist. So, endocrinologists, their medical specialty is the hormones. So I think in each medical specialty, you are, you know, you have, um, not survivorship bias, but like kind of, cause that's what you see all day, every day. So, you know, their job is to worry about the hormones. That's all they see all the time. That's what they do all day, every day. So obviously to them, these, you know, endocrine disruptors are like the biggest deal in the world. Whereas, you know, another medical specialty is like, yeah, but we also got to worry about this, this, and this. That's oh my God. That was, I feel like that was the rambliest answer ever on earth. Uh, I'm not going to redo it because, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not a hormone expert. Yes, they are real. Let me have Dr. Henderson on and we will hash it out, um, about, you know, how much we really need to be worrying about these things. Um, next question, a little bit of a, more of a soft toss. Um, how do I get rid of milia? So if you are, getting these little kind of white bumps under the skin that you squeeze and poke and you can't get rid of and you, but you can see it and it's not a zip, but it's like a little thing and it's there that it's probably Amelia. Um, and it's just where little skin gets trapped under skin and it can be really hard to, to get those out. Um, so the most important thing with milia, don't squeeze them. Don't try to pop them. Um, cause you're really just going to make your situation worse, Um, but with milia, I like to peel those. Um, I'll have people use like a glycolic acid peel pad or sometimes put their like more retinoid in that certain area. Um, Sometimes people will need to have them actually extracted um, like potentially by an esthetician or even a dermatologist. They have these little like razor blade ice cream scoopy things Um, and especially if it's in an area like around your eye or you know, a place where you don't really want to peel a ton, um, then you probably should go see someone in person for milia removal, but, um, they can be kind of annoying. They certainly can be, but they shouldn't be painful or anything like that. But I love, I, I love skincare and skincare consults, obviously with the skin click. So if you ever have, um, questions like that and you really want to get down to it, just shoot me an email, um, or a message on Instagram and these questions are so nice today so many of them are about uh, what's like what's going on with us and Ed and our family and we've moved so somebody asked what is Ed's new job and how is it going okay so Ed is my husband he is a physician and when people ask me what does he do I'm like I don't know I don't know it's actually really hard for me to explain so but it's been that way for years so Ed is just kind of a guy with well adult ADD, he knows this. Okay, funny story. He took an he must have taken an ADD test the other day and he said, "You know what? I, I tested really high on this. I think I actually have ADD." And I was like, "Duh. Every, where have you been?" We he said, "I thought you guys were joking when you said that." It was I was like, "Honey, no." But with that being said, it's actually really benefits him in a lot of ways because he gets distracted almost in a good way by other, other things. So he has a lot of really unique skill sets. Um, so he is like super into and educated on like the global health scene because he, he started a nonprofit that, um, builds hospitals in developing nations. And then, but then he also got really into like the technology of medicine. Like he was doing a ton of telemedicine before COVID even started And then he decided, um, you know, while he was practicing, he really liked knowing about the business portion of medicine. And so he got his MBA. So he's just got like a lot of random skills. Um, So Ed took a job about a year ago before we moved. He was working remotely for a little bit with a company called WellPath. And WellPath does all of the medicine for really difficult, they call them difficult care situations. So prisons, jails, rehabs, and psychiatric hospitals, which are just, are like literally logistically difficult to, to provide care in those situations. Um, and then, and if you think about the population, so prisons and jails, they are guaranteed healthcare. And so that's a, like a mass, it's a massive organization. Um, and so yes, he's a physician, but he really does more of the, almost like business development side of things now. So, and, and kind of, and one thing he did, um, he's helping kind of overhaul like the telemedicine portion of that company. And, um, I don't even want him to speak. Cause I don't know. I mean, I don't know what he does all day. He works really hard and I have no idea what he's doing half the time. He travels now. Um, now that, travel is kind of back he will travel for like mm, two or three times a month not for very long usually for like a day or two at a time um they're working on um different states that they have contracts with and they're they'll like roll out new programs there and so he'll travel like he's going to Michigan a lot right now and Georgia Atlanta he's going to Georgia a lot right now Um, but it's really, it's really neat. He really likes it. And he actually loved working with the prison population when we were, when we were in Charleston, um, and just really got to know that population and kind of love and appreciate it. And it's, so it's kind of a nice, like full circle thing for him to, to be able to do and come back around and, and, um, and work with that population. So, He's doing great. Thanks for asking. I will let him know that you asked. Um, The next question is how to get on the right track with Hashimoto's one year in and not seeing positive results. So Hashimoto's thyroiditis is an inflammation of the thyroid gland. It's fairly common. Um, I mean, thyroid disease is more in common and more common in, women than men, um, and, and is a really common medical condition in America. Um, and then Hashimoto's is just an inflammatory kind of, um, condition of the thyroid. So it can make it really difficult to balance, um, the hormones. Sometimes people are hyperthyroid. Sometimes people are hypo. You can fluctuate between the two. Um, and there's, there's not like one specific medicine for Hashimoto's. Um, it's more about just figuring out if, is the person too high? Are they too low? What do they need? And, um, I will say there's a provider in Charleston that I get messages about all the time that puts people on these incredibly restrictive and difficult diets, puts them on like 15 different supplements. And these people are not seeing results. And there, and there's like a lot of, I don't know. It's a, just very, it's hard to watch. And uh, I've seen patients and, and friends as as well go through that. Um, so the first thing I would say about Hashimoto's, it's really difficult to manage. Um, and, and I say that, so I worked in surgical oncology and then head and neck and head and neck oncology for, that was the first 10 years of my career. So I, oh my gosh, like I did a buttload of thyroid stuff. Um, and it, 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 you'd see patients all the time that were just kind of miserable. So I would say find an endocrinologist that either specializes specifically in Hashimoto's or or really likes to take care of it. Because I think what people don't realize is just because you have found a doctor who can take care of something or a provider that can take care of something doesn't mean that they they like that or they have an interest in that or that they want to be taking care of it. And that's okay. Like I think as providers, we have to get better at saying just because I'm technically trained to do something doesn't mean like I want to be doing it or that I should be doing it. So I think making sure you, you find a provider that, um, that really cares about that, the particular thing that, that you have, which may sound like harsh, but I'm saying it in terms of like, we can't all be good at everything. Right. And so, um, I, I'd love to see providers say, you know what? I, I don't, I've done what I know to do. I'm going to send you to somebody else or, or let's find somebody else. Cause I'm really kind of reached my limit. So if you can find a provider who specializes in that great, um, because it can be really difficult to manage. And then I'm going to give a hot take and I don't know if there's any endocrinologists that listen. I hope they don't come at me. Um, but the, the, the only like full definitive treatment of Hashimoto's is just to remove the thyroid. And I have to say, I mean, if I had been doing crazy diets, supplements on and off thyroid hormone, and if I was miserable for like years, I would consider removing my thyroid. I totally would. It is a relatively low risk, safe procedure when done in the hands of a very experienced surgeon. um, And I mean, that's just how you can definitively treat it. And I I hate to say that, but I definitely had patients that, um, you know, that's what they came for. They were like, I've been miserable for years and going up and down and on and off and I can't handle it anymore. And they take their thyroid out and just move on. So just saying, try to find the right person And then if you found the right person and you're still miserable, you know, a long time later, it's just, it's something to consider. Um, so that's my take, but I don't, I know that's probably not a popular opinion, but here we are. It's just one man's opinion. Um, next question is, well, it's not really a question. It really just is a statement, but I guess it's a question, masks and schools. Oh man. I don't know. I don't know there's so many different ways to look at it. Um, one, I will say this one, it should not be so controversial that people are like getting assaulted at a school board meeting like that. It just, whether you believe in hardcore masking or hardcore, not masking, it's just not, this is not an issue that should be like an, inciting violence. Like it's just not, it's literally a face covering. Um, and I would feel that way on either side. Like uh, if if you're an anti-masker, cool. This should not incite violence. If you're like hardcore masker, again, cool. Like it shouldn't be like a violence issue. Um, I don't, I just don't, I don't know. I think there's definitely the camp that it's very easy to say to me at least it's really easy to say, listen, it's a mask. It's not that big of a deal. The kids, most of the kids are like totally fine with it. I think we as adults are putting our feelings about masks onto, onto our kids. Like if your kid is super, and now listen, there's caveats to everything, right? Like maybe your kid has sensory processing disorder. Maybe your kid is, you know, any number of things, autistic, who, who knows? And they have a really hard time wearing a mask. I think that's a completely different situation. And those kids honestly are, are suffering, you know, because this has become basically like a political debate. But um, for mo- the overwhelming majority of children, it's just not that big of a deal. And I'd, I would love to see my kindergartner in a mask. My three-year-old, that's probably a little bit more difficult. I think they, the younger the kids are, I mean, we do know that the younger kids are, there's less risk for COVID, less risk for serious complications. Um, And, you know, we do know that language skills and development are so critical, particularly in the first couple of years of life. Um, And my brother just sent me an article from Brown that was showing um, like all this incredible jump in speech delay diagnosis that's happened during the pandemic because there's all these babies that are like not seeing people talking in their faces. And so it is very easy. I think in some ways to say it's a mask, it's not a big deal. Just put it on. It's helping everybody, blah, blah, blah. And I do think in, we could say, you know, that could be a huge part of keeping kids in person learning. And so, you know, that's difficult, but then you do, you do have the other side where it's, um, you know, it can be an actual detriment, particularly to really young kids, um, who just aren't that high risk for now. Then we've got, you know, kids 12 and up can now be vaccinated. And so if you're not vaccinated, are you wearing a mask? And if you're masked and you're vaccinated, it's just, it is, I think the bottom line is it's a really complicated decision. Um, and I think if you, um, I, I, I don't think at this point, I, I don't think it's about we can continue to be like personal liberties and yada. yada. when you're talking about pu- public school, right? Like things like, uh, immunization records have been required, you know, for decades for, for people to attend public school. I think private school is a different conversation. If you're in private school, I mean, that's what private school's for, right? So that like you can make your own rules and your own decisions because you're in a private school. Um, but I just, I, I hate to see it so, um, I hate to see people make it so black and white, really, because I I don't think that it is. And um, I think it's, gosh, hopefully when kids of all ages, which should be in the next six months or so, um, at least five and up, so school-age children are, are able to get vaccinated, then you know, I think that'll be a, a huge relief um, for parents. And I think you have to think about public school, you know, is supposed to be available and accessible to all children. So you've got your highest risk kids, your most vulnerable kids um, are, are the ones in public school. And and sometimes, you know, I've seen a lot of this attitude of like, well, keep them home, you know, then you do the, you know, it's like, that may not be an option for some people. I mean, it's, I don't know. I just, I hate to see people forget about the nuances of, of all of, all of these different kids and, and what they need. Um, so yeah, that wasn't really an answer. You're welcome. Um, that was a bunch of vagaries about that. I think it's just so much more complicated, um, than we want to make it. So I don't know. I'm sure some, somebody's going to be mad. Cause I didn't uh come down hard enough on the anti maskers and then somebody's gonna be mad because I didn't come down hard enough on the maskers. So, you know, send me an email. Um okay, best and worst things about being a mom. Oh, this is like a hard but also sweet <laughs> question. Um my kids are six and almost four and um it's just a difficult so I'll do worst things first. Um my best friend and I talk almost every morning about, uh, how difficult either the day or night or morning has been. Like we just are those people that we can just like complain and be like, this is a safe space to complain. Um, these ages are hard. They require younger kids require like your like physical, gosh, I mean, it's like physical and emotional. It's just a lot. Parenting is, is hard. Like figuring out discipline. Am I gentle parenting? Am I are we spanking are we doing timeout like what are we doing and it sometimes feels like you're just throwing spitballing like throwing things at the wall and seeing you know if you can get anything to stick sleep is hard at this age like somebody's always coming in telling me something I need water or I gotta blow my nose or I don't even know there's just always somebody doing something come in the middle of the night um constantly. And I think when your sleep is interrupted, you're just kind of always like confused and, and tired. Um, yeah. So that's the hardest part of being a mom for me is trying to figure out like, what is the right thing for me to do with my child in terms of like discipline. Um, and you know, how hard do I push them on things? I, and I, like, you know, my husband's the fun parent, obviously I'm like, so type A and I'm, I'm the disciplinary in our house. So I would say that's hard. The, the best thing about being a mom is just that it's, I mean, unconditional love for another human who like totally depends on you and it can be really just cute and sweet. And so, you know, so rewarding. Um, I mean, there's so much reward that comes with, even the hardest of hard work. Um, so it's it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And uh, my kids are generally, I find, very hilarious. I don't know if other people find them hilarious. But I do. Well, I know y'all think Tilly's hilarious because she is gross and just messy. And I put up that on my Instagram and um, people seem to like it. Evie is my firstborn and she's like the most classic firstborn ever. She's um, OCD, like lines things up, never wants to make a mess. She's like a super talented bed maker, kind of hilarious. Um, and so she's just like a very classic, um, first child, but yeah. So I hope that was a helpful answer. I don't know. I, please don't ask me parenting advice. I don't have any, I'm the worst parent probably ever. Um, I like this question. I'm a relatively new grad and can't afford the skincare I want. What should I splurge on and save on? Um, I get this question all the time, particularly with skincare consults, and um, I love it. So I, I would say, and this is why we we just started carrying La Roche-Posay, which is a drugstore line at the Skin Click, because we have plenty of medical grade skincare, but I, I would do these consults and then put always put in like, here's if you need to save somewhere, here's where, like, here's where you can get it. And I was like, why do we not just sell it? And they don't have to tell people to like wander around target and try to find what I want them to find. Um, so I would say save on things like face wash toner and SPF. Um, and you can find perfectly good face wash toner and SPF at the drugstore. Um, and if you, then where you're going to want to splurge is like your actives. And honestly, though, even you can even do like a prescription tretinoin. Um, the way I explain that is like a prescription tretinoin is typically just tret. So it's just retinoic acid and um, it can be a little bit harder to tolerate. It doesn't have any other fancy ingredients in it um but it you can get a prescription pretty cheap a lot of times um but then splurge on your active things that are harder to to make work with your skin um like vitamin C is a, is a good one and a lot of drugstore vitamin C's can cause breakouts and um and all that and i think it depends on what's going on with your skin too there are some people that have particular skin conditions and i'm like well here's what you know you need to do a little bit differently so that's my personal opinion. Um, and that's kind of how, how I do things. Um, yeah. So let's see. Um, Oh, this is a good one. If you were diagnosed with HPV at one point, what should, should you be worried and what's the next step? Um, so definitely talk to whoever is doing your pap smears, your OBGYN. So if you've had an HPV diagnosis, you might need, um, pap smears on a different schedule. Um, and if you've had an abnormal pap smear, you can, um, just, yeah, they might have a different, um, schedule for you than, than the norm. And, um, you can still get the vaccine, even though, even if you've had a a positive HPV diagnosis in the past. And if you are an adult, um, and you didn't get the Gardasil vaccine growing up, like get it now, get it now. Um, you totally can. Most insurance is covering it. They used to only cover, cover it for young girls, then it became young boys. Now it's adults and adults Men, just because we know all the repercussions. So HPV is human papillomavirus, and we think about it with cervical cancer, um, but it absolutely is a huge player in the oropharyngeal cancer world, which is like uh, floor of the mouth, um, back of the throat type of cancer, um, which you used to really think about with smoking and tobacco products like dipping. Um, but now, actually, H- HPV is um, a huge deal in that. So that's where the vaccine is getting more and more, um, approved by insurances for older and older. And, um, it also is a cause of penile cancer. So I would consider the vaccine, see if you need to take that and, um, and then talk to your, whoever is doing your pap smears, whether that's your primary care, most of the time it's somebody in an OB setting. Um, and, see if you need to do anything on a different schedule, but there's not a specific, like, so if you're going to the dentist every year, they should be doing an oral cancer screening anyway. Um, but there's not a specific like oral cancer, um, screening for HPV positive people that, that I'm aware of there that could be new and I'm not aware of it. Cause I've been out of the head and neck cancer game for a couple years. Um, what else Okay, this is kind of a tough one. Talk about inflammation. I feel like it's the new bu- buzzword for what not to eat or use. I feel like this kind of connects to the the endocrine disruptor question too. Um, is inflammation real and something that we want to try to avoid if we can? Yes, totally. Um, but I mean, it's impossible to avoid all inflammation. Like inflammation is a normal, you know, physiologic response to all kinds of things. Um, but inflammation can cause, you know, long-term repetitive inflammation can cause, um, da- cellular damage at a cellular level and, um, you know, depending on what you're, it's such a, like a vague kind of blanket term though. It's like inflammation, where is it? Are we talking about gut inflammation or mucosal inflammation or skin inflammation? I mean, I, you know, we talked about thyroid and inflammatory thyroid disease. It could mean a million different things. So... Um, I don't know if that's helpful at all um but i think I do think it is and it is a new buzzword and and anytime there's a new buzzword it's like do you need to jump on that trend? no or you'd be constantly jumping on these new medical trends um all the time so that was a terrible answer. I don't know why I picked that one because i i don't I don't have a good answer I just do i know it it is a buzzword you're totally right and And inflammation is impossible to avoid. So, um, just be careful who your sources are that who's telling you that, you know, is it a trusted medical resource or is it like a random typically, you know, I don't know person who sells supplements on the internet who who's to say probably not. Um, okay. Have I done all these? Oh, what's my favorite thing about Nashville so far? Um, the weather, and it's so green here. So the difference between Charleston and Nashville, like there's not a ton of grass in Charleston. Yeah. There's like, you know, marshes and beaches and stuff, which are lovely. Um, but it's really nice to look around and see like all the trees and all the foliage and all the grass. And it's so green, particularly we moved here in the spring, super green. Summer is more green. Charleston's so hot. Everything's just like brown in the summer. Um, And now it's about to be fall and it's just lovely. It's just, the weather is lovely and it's green and I like it. Um, so that's probably been my favorite thing, which I don't even, I had no idea that that was going to be our favorite thing. Also, we, Ed and I love to build. And so, um, we've renovated two houses and built a house. And so this is our second house that we will have built, um, from the ground up. And so that's just fun. That's we've like doing that. And that's been a lot of fun for us. So if you've been following dabble co and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So the goal is always to share evidence-based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So I was thrilled when better approached me to do a partnership with them. So thank you so much to better for sponsoring this episode BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, It solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling. I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So check them out, and they will know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling if you head to betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Um, so it's super easy, betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Thanks guys. Um, and then last question. How do you stay sane with your unreal schedule? Um, great question. I don't, um, I am not saying ever like i i don't know so i i try to i try to say this is the biggest advice i can give anybody that's like working mom working mom has a million things going on whether you fit into any of those categories if you feel stressed in your life and like you can't find the margin um I, saying i say no to things all the time and i talk to all these friends and women and who get like overwhelmed and they're so stressed out. And they're like, we had seven birthday parties this weekend. And then I'm on this committee and I'm the room mom for all my kids things. And then I, you know, I'm on these teams or I got asked to do this thing or teach this class or whatever it is. And I'm like, what, why, why are you doing all of that? And I think, I just think women, you know, we think we have to take all of this stuff on and, we're not really taught how to say no without feeling guilty about it, um, particularly Southern women. But um, I don't like—I don't think men feel that pressure. Like I can assure you, if, if we had a, my son got—or my son—I don't have a son. My daughter got invited to a birthday party for this, a little boy this Saturday. And I was having this like debate. I'm talking to my friend, like, well, we were supposed to do something else at 10, and should we go? And I just, I feel so bad. And I'm like, I can assure you, if I ask my husband about going to the birthday party, he's like, no, we already have plans. We can't go. And I'm like, why do I feel like I have to have this debate about, like, oh, should we go? Should we not go? Should I do it? Should I be on the committee? Should I take the job? Women just don't, for whatever reason, I think, don't feel like they can say, no. And I I don't think men have that same problem. Um, so yeah, so I say no socially, um, to things. If it's not something that like, I really want to do with whatever amount of time I have that week, then I just have to say no. And that can be hard. Um, I think it's really hard, but I think boundaries are super important. Um, I've gotten a lot better about, um, working during my work like hours and time that i set for myself. Um, and I've also gotten better at, um, scheduling kind of in, within those hours and not just saying like, I'm open anytime or yeah, call me anytime. You I, mean, I, I try to really stick to, um, a schedule. I try it. I don't always, but I try to get up about 20 minutes before my kids get up. Cause I do feel like that gives me a different, um, like if my kids wake me up, it's almost like I'm, I'm waking up in this like stupor trying to catch up. Cause they've already been, they've already been awake typically for a few minutes. So I try to get up now and that can be, during the school week, it can be hard because Evie has to be at school at 730. So we leave by like seven. So they get up around six, 615. So I try to get up at like 540 and that just gives me time to read, um, not, I mean like We're talking like five minutes. I typically try to read my Paul David Tripp um, devotional, and if I can make my coffee without them hearing it, I will. Uh, But sometimes I just skip it and wait till they get up, and that just gives me a minute to like look at messages, do my devotional, whatever before they get up. So I'm not like trying to do all of that while they're awake. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I thank you for assuming that I am sane. Uh, I am not um saying it all but here we are we're all just doing our best right um thanks for listening that was a 10 questions i hope it was at least if anything entertaining um and yeah i have a great podcast coming out next week i just been holding on to it um and i think you guys will really like it as always if you liked this episode rate subscribe share it with your friends Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'll see you next week. Bye.